from Matthew 11. But what, to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeah, so just uh, by way of introduction, um, this only works if uh, if you all participate. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, something will occur to me and I'll just start preaching. So we don't want that to happen. Uh, but what does occur to me as uh, Pastor Natalia reads that gospel reading is that the uh, partner church that uh, we always uh, uh, worship at our first Sunday when we have a vision trip to Tanzania, including this past one that just returned uh, a couple weeks back, uh, it's Nguesho Lutheran Parish. And above the uh, beautiful stone church that was built by uh, the members of that congregation by carrying the stones up the mountain from down below, a uh, riverbed down below, uh, Bishop Frederick Show, the bishop of the six and a half million member Lutheran church in the country of Tanzania, who was with us here at Prince of Peace back in uh, Last October, um, he shared with us as a small boy, he remembers being among the villagers who carried stones up the hill to build that church. And across over the top of the front doors to Nkwesho uh, Lutheran is the word Kushiani, which is roughly translated. It's a connection to this very verse, the idea of Jesus saying, come to me. Uh, and I will give you rest. My burden is light. And uh, Natalia and I were chatting a bit this morning about this passage, <laughs> reflecting on how that, that invitation uh, sounds different depending on your own reality, your own situation. Uh, we can imagine that for folks uh, who have children in their household uh, and are not quite certain where they will get the food to feed those children the following day that this idea of Jesus saying, come to me uh, and those of you who are weary and I will give you rest may well sound differently than it does perhaps to you or I on any given day. So whether uh, this passage might have elicited a question uh, then uh, please share that with us. 
Uh, Morgan has graciously volunteered to bring the mic around. <laughs> Volunteer or voluntold, maybe, Vol right, yeah. Morgan? <laughs> we just volunteered just them, volunteered realizing him. we uh, we are without some others, including Brent, who often does this role for us, <laughs> who is with a group of youth in Colorado as they serve uh, and uh, adventure on behalf of us at Prince of Peace. So we continue to keep all of uh, them in our prayers as well. So here we go. He didn't have to go far for the first question. No. Good. I was sort of listening to what you said, but I already had a question in my head. Yeah, good. So I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about making prayer part of our daily lives. I think a lot of times we get hung up on asking God for things instead of when I was during my religion classes, I learned that prayer should be about asking, thanking, and praising. But I think a lot of times, <clears throat> excuse me, we get caught up in asking God for things or to do things or to make things happen in our lives or in the lives of other people. And when those things don't happen, I think that prayer communication breaks down. So how can we make prayer part of our daily lives? And what should prayer be doing for us in that relationship with God? Wow. If I didn't know otherwise, I'd say that was a plant that question <laughs> get us started thanks uh when when our cancer support group meets uh monthly we send a uh we all pray for people in our in our midst that have asked for prayer that are going through treatment or need prayer if they're if they're on our list and can't make it into the room then we write them a card saying we prayed for you and some of you in this room have gotten one of those um but our card currently says the power of prayer is not in the one um, who asks it, but in the one who hears it. And so our, our words may be feeble and we might say the wrong thing is kind of what the card says. But, but the power of prayer is the one who hears it and not who asks it. So, well, ooh, hey there. If you're one of those people who... Um, wonders if you're saying the right thing or if you're doing it right, I want to say yes, you are. Um, that that prayer, there's no like set way to do it right, and there's no way to do it wrong. Um, and I think when we get caught up in that little part, that's uh, that's really a detriment to our own ability to pray. Just if you're one of those, if you're a type A and a perfectionist, and you wonder if you're doing it right all the time, then let, try to let that one go. Um, and Luther himself said two things about prayer that I love. The first is that the conceit of us to think we need the words when Jesus gave us the prayer to say. So if you have no clue what to say, just pray the Lord's Prayer and you're covered. That's kind of what Luther said. And then also that just the simple act of raising a person's name up in, is a prayer. So thinking of somebody who's in need is a prayer. And um, anytime you make a connection with God on behalf of another person, that's a prayer. So when you say the name out loud in church of a person, that in and of itself is a prayer. All the words we say around it matter a lot less than the fact that you are giving somebody's care to God. That's more important. So I, I kind of like those two things. It makes it, it takes some of the pressure off of saying the right thing. And prayer is a habit. So if you don't ever do it, uh, it's going to be really awkward every time you do it. So, um, getting in the habit of getting up and praying or ending your day praying. Again, if we're going with Luther, that's what he did. He had a morning prayer and an evening prayer. If you were with us during Lent, we ended every Lent service with 
Luther's evening prayer. Um, we gifted Pastor Jim Luther's evening prayer when he got his pastor emeritus status here at Prince of Peace. That, that prayer of saying, thank you for getting me through the day. I ask that you keep me through the night and you bring me safely to tomorrow. I mean, that's basically what Luther's evening prayer is. And that's good enough, you know, like that's, that's good. There's no, let the pressure go on prayer, I think, a little. Yeah, I mean, and there's often times where we feel like we don't know how to pray or what to pray for, and that is a sentiment that is articulated openly in the Scriptures. Uh, and Paul has said, the, the Spirit will speak on our behalf. Um, and so, uh, again, as Natalia shared, it's not about doing it correctly or rightly, or frankly, all the other ways we would like to layer pressure upon ourselves, such as doing it enough, you know, or <laughs> at the right times of day and all of that kind of stuff. As is true with so many aspects of our Christian faith, prayer is God's gift to us. And to the extent that we lean into that gift and access that gift and and realize that it's always present for us and it is a power available to us, not only for ourselves, but oftentimes for other people. One of my favorite aspects of traveling around Tanzania, and you can talk to the group just returned, uh, is that when we gather with a group and it's time to pray before a service or a meal, and perhaps the bishop is there. Usually when our groups are there, there are several uh, pastors present. Oftentimes the person asked to give a prayer, to pray, is oh, a, a younger child who's there to help serve the meal or one of the people who helped prepare the meal. And, and there's this wonderful kind of uh, community that is not hierarchical. I can't say that. Hierarchical. Yeah, that's a bad <laughs> word. Forget that. You know what I mean. <laughs> so it's not the bishop or one of the pastors uh, or deacons or elders that are automatically uh, called upon to pray, but just anyone. And it's always so lovely to me that when they do so, they aren't worried that they're going to pray correctly in front of the bishop. I am a little bit uh, when it's my turn, but it's just all of that is to say in, in, among our, our friends in Tanzania, praying is a natural part of, of who they are and, uh, and it's expressed naturally and without fear. Uh, so I hope that um, it's such a great question that we, that we are uh, reminded it's not only when uh, when we are afraid or, or we really hope and wish and, and need something from God, but it often should just be, uh, or could just be, wow, thanks for this, this day in front of me as my feet first hit the floor. Luther said I began every day, uh, and, and this sometimes is contrary to our, our sort of thought of the difference between Lutherans and Catholics. Martin Luther himself, as we celebrate the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, said, I begin each day by making the sign of the cross and reminding myself who I belong to.
So, not a bad way to start our day. And that's an act of prayer. Yeah, great. Thank you. Ooh, Ooh look at all those hands. Mm. Morning. Morning. Whoops. Did we lose our mic, Mick, uh, Nick, back there? Yeah, it should be on. Check it. Check it out. Hello. Yeah, there just leave go. it on. Don't press the right, button. We'll try again. Thanks. Good morning. Morning. Harold gave me a heads up that uh, we'd be doing Ask the Pastor. Um, uh, we may not look like familiar faces. Actually, we moved here um, in the mid-'80s, just a few blocks from here, and this was our home church for a number of years. Uh, Lynn and Jane Thronson is our name, and, and now we retired. We moved back to Iowa. It still feels, it feels like our home church. So Good. Um, thank you to everyone. Um, I had a question, but before that, the, the prayer question triggered something that I thought I'd share, and it may be helpful for some folks. A number of years ago, I, I took a course. Um, some things are going on in my life. I took a course called Alpha Course, just beginning Christians or whatever. And one of the things I was concerned about, it seemed like the only time I prayed was when I wanted something or there was some crisis. So um, it seemed to me I wanted to pray every day. But what would that prayer be? And you probably heard this acronym before, ACTS, A-C-T-S. And it was very helpful for me. Um, rather than always asking for something, ACTS was adoration, so you, you praised God. Contrition, you confessed um, what you're doing wrong. T is thanksgiving. And then finally, S is supplication, um, those things that, that you want. So, so you might want to trigger that. If, if It helped me a, a ton. It also helped me that, um, to your point about praying for something, I found oftentimes I prayed for something, and it may or may not come about, and if it did come about, sometimes that was not the best solution along the way. So for myself, it's been more, um, what is, okay, you know the right answer, Lord. What is the right answer? I trust you. And that, that's, that's helped me also along the way. So anyway, um, down at my mini-sermon, um, my question is this is, um, so the Bible says, Jesus also says, the way to heaven is through me. Christians have been a very small percentage of the world's population throughout history. So what happens to those people? What has happened to those people who have not even had a chance? Okay, before Jesus was even born, the, the Jewish, the chosen people is a very small subset of, of the world's population. Um, what happened to those people? What happens to the people in today's life that don't even have a chance to learn about Jesus? What happens with those folks, with those souls? So, so that's always been a question that I've always kind of wondered about. I appreciate the question. It's a mm -hmm. deep theological question. Um, and uh, I like to, uh, well, it occurs to me to come at it from a, a couple, couple of angles. Uh, the question assumes something that I think is important for us to continue wrestling with, especially as Lutherans. Uh, the question assumes that somehow my place in God's salvation economy, if you will, my place in eternity is somehow secured in some measure, by some percent, by my, my own understanding or strength or faith. It's got something to do with me. 
why, why is that assumed in the question? Well, because I am among those who have been blessed to have heard of this Jesus of Nazareth and to have contemplated his life, ministry, death, and resurrection. And therefore, I am, uh, I am among that population, uh, that small subset of people who have, who have, who are aware of Christ, his life, uh, death, and resurrection. So what of all those people who haven't heard? Well, um, immediately I say, that's why we're here. Uh, we're our, that's our call. We are bearers of good news. This is the gospel of the Lord. So when people ask me this question, uh, if they're, if, you know, I want to, I want to say wherever we go, uh, we carry this good news. And the, and the, and that news is, you know, I believe that uh, Jesus has claimed me in my own baptism, has forgiven me in spite of myself, and has assured me of it, my eternal presence with Him. This has all been done for me by Christ. Did my intellectual assent, did I have to agree to that? Is this some kind of contract that God wrote up and said, Chad, if you sign it, and you sign it by saying you believe it, or saying a certain prayer, or, or agreeing to a set of doctrinal uh, dogmas, then uh, that's one thing. But it's, that, that can't be gospel. That can't be free, unmerited Gospel, good news, a gracious gift, because I, I had, I did my part, God did God's part, right? Uh, so my understanding of the gospel is that I am not part of that equation, not part of the equation of my salvation. I believe because I have been claimed by God, I, I say that I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that I have been claimed and named and forgiven and held on to in my baptism. But it is not that faith that makes that reality so. It is because my parents decided to bring me forward in South Minneapolis some 54 years ago. And, and there that promise was spoken and that uh, I was I was sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, marked with the cross of Christ forever. I had nothing to do with it. I was probably screaming against it at the time. It is not my faith in that moment that makes that moment a reality. It is the gift of the church and growth into this community over time that has allowed me to appreciate that gift. Oh, what a great thing to walk around with that knowledge that my faith does not hinge or hold together because of the strength of my faith or the clarity of my understanding, which has ebbed and flowed and changed, and I've sometimes run in the opposite direction of it and sometimes run toward it. I cannot by my own understanding or strength believe in my Lord Jesus Christ or come to Him, but it is the Holy Spirit that calls, enlightens, and sanctifies me. 
That is what Luther said in our small catechism, and hopefully some of you still have that ringing in your ears. I cannot, by my own strength, believe in my Lord Jesus Christ and come to Him. But I am called, enlightened, and gifted by the Holy Spirit. This is gift. This is gospel. So what happens to all those people? That big question, are the Maasai warriors we just were jumping up and down without in the Serengeti, living in huts made of cow dung uh, and banana leaves, uh, and have yet to hear even of this Jesus person, are they somehow condemned to an eternal damnation or eternal separation from God because they have not come to faith in Jesus or profess a faith in Jesus? Way above my pay grade, but I will say it does not in any sort of way make sense to me in terms of the compassionate, seeking, claiming, forgiving God I meet in the Bible, specifically the God revealed in Jesus Christ, who is constantly going out of his way to claim people that the law and the religious rules would otherwise exclude from the community. This bleeding woman, considered ritually impure, not able to access the temple and therefore the very presence of God, Jesus, I will not only include her, forgive her, deal with her in public, I'm going to touch her. I'm going to physically touch her in front of all of you so you get the message that what she has, I've got also. I'm taking from her her condemnation heaped on her by you folks and your religious rules. Time and time and time again does Jesus do just that and then sends his disciples out to do the same. What I know about this God through Jesus Christ is that this God is always out there searching to share this good news to claim others. So when I meet someone who's never heard of Jesus, I would like them to hear of Jesus. When I preach in a Maasai area, uh, I'm sharing that uh, this Jesus that you may or may not have heard of, that I believe is holding on to me, I'm here to tell you he's holding on to you too. Not if you do this or say this, not if anything. I'm here to tell you Christ is here right now and he loves you. The same way he loves me. Chooses you the same way he chooses me. If I add anything to that, any if, then it can't be gospel. It can't be good news. That's not to say that we're out here proclaiming, hey, everybody's all right, every religion says the same thing, everybody's... It's to say that we are called to be bearers of good news, and that is the good news that we bear. That God in Christ Jesus claims you, loves you, forgives you, died for you. And we hope and pray you come to embrace that good news because it really, it really is the abundant life that Jesus came to give. Jesus did not go around threatening people into the kingdom. Nicodemus comes sneaking to him at night. Jesus did not say, to your knees, Pharisee, and proclaim your faith in me. (laughs) 
Jesus said, yeah, kingdom of heaven is wild. It's like the wind blows where it will. You don't know where it comes from or where it's going, but you know it's there. And in the end, Nicodemus is found helping to lay the body of our Lord Jesus to rest because somehow that good news got through to him. So this is my sort of approach to this question, deep theological question from the Lutheran perspective. Are people condemned if they haven't heard of Jesus? What about those who lived and died before Jesus was even around? I will say there are no limits to our God. And what our God has chosen to reveal to us in Christ is a seeking, compassionate, grace-filled God looking to share good news and calling folks together in good news communities to be sent out to Colorado and Jamaica and all around Brooklyn Park and beyond to share that good news with others. It's hard to... Wait just a second, Jay. One second. It's hard to all of that, but here I'm going to try. I was uh, on the 4th of July. I was uh, in Clearwater uh, at a park with my family, and I got cornered in the bathroom by a lady who said, I don't know, do I look like somebody who really needs Jesus? Apparently, I look like somebody who really needs Jesus. Jesus in the bathroom. She didn't corner anybody else in the bathroom, just me. Um, But she said, 178,000 people die every day, and it's my job to make sure they go to the right place. And I was like, I... I kind of thought that was Jesus' job so that we don't have to take that sort of heavy load, heavy burden on ourselves, right? So, and, and she did not like that answer, but she wanted to make sure I was okay, and I was like, you know what, I think I'm okay. I'm just going to run out of the bathroom. Um, but this is, to me, this gospel of, of good news isn't for for us to take out and, like Chad said, use as a threat or a way to get out of jail free, like that kind of idea. I need to go save this many people because that's how I'm going to, you know, earn my crown in heaven. You know, to me, that's just so much pressure. And all I could think of all day long, I thought of that woman all day long and into the next day, I just thought, what a heavy load she is carrying. What a heavy burden that is to worry, to worry that other people's salvation is dependent on her i mean good gosh i would never sleep i would never i mean i just don't that would be so much right that's so much pressure to put on yourself that the salvation of the world is dependent on you it's not it's not the salvation of the world is dependent on god and jesus and he did the thing already right so everything you do takes away from something that jesus already did But people do need to hear, like Chad said, not that you're saved. They need to hear that there is something more, that there is abundant life for you. And this this thing that I have, I want you to have, not because I'm getting to heaven, but because it has changed, fundamentally changed who I am and how I view myself and how I interact with people in the world. That is much more, I mean, that is just, don't, I mean, don't you want that? Don't you want that? freedom and that life and that way to live and be in the world that is just not the heavy burdensome that's one of the reasons i love this text is because jesus is talking like my the thing i'm giving you is so much lighter than 600 plus 
rules to follow, right? Like that's so much lighter. Just come and live and love people where they are and and bring them into the love you've experienced and that's all I'm asking you to do. That little thing, just love people. But but you know, it's not about you got to go out and and make the dent in 178,000 people every day. That's just I just I mean, that has been in my head for now it's a week just what what amount of pressure that is to put on yourself. So in the same way, that's not, you know, we look at all the people in the world and that's really overwhelming, right? That, oh my gosh, there's all these people who don't know about Jesus. What are we going to do? Well, I, I remind myself that God loved the whole world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. Not, not Prince of Peace, not Chad. It's, yes, it's, it's personal, but it's the world. Jesus came to save the world and all in it. And the following verse, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. Which we like to ignore because we like condemning people. It's way more fun, right? So um, that's easier to do. So we like to just pretend that verse 17 isn't in John 3, and, and we just kind of ignore that one. And I think both of those, side by side, very important. And as Chad said, if somebody is telling you, you know, preaching at you and it's not, it doesn't make you feel, I mean, it shouldn't always make you feel good, but it shouldn't be hate and it shouldn't be bad news. Sometimes the good news makes you feel bad for a second. <laughs> but, um, but always you get new life and, and something, um, life giving out of what, what Christ comes and does for you. And I think that's really important. That's, that lady, she just, she got she got to me not in the way she hoped unfortunately for her hmm. <laughs> but, but okay jay go for it we're out of time go oh, we'll throw we'll, another we'll throw a bonus okay. 5 minutes up okay. there because Chad, that one Chad, that one got three questions you stole my thunder i was yeah. going to quote to you the article the third article of the thing put it up a little closer and, um, there you go thanks okay Jay. so i cannot come to believe in jesus christ on my own but the holy spirit enlightens me isn't it the holy spirit's job to save people to enlighten people I mean, you're talking about this lady occurring in your bathroom, but I think verses <laughs> like, uh, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Right. And then in the gospel lesson today, it says, who he decides to reveal it to. Give me your ideas on that. <laughs> I mean, he quite doesn't reveal it to everybody. Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a, those are, those, those, something along those lines comes up more often than not in, I mean, in the scriptures, like, you know, uh, because God has hardened the hearts of some or closed the eyes of others. And why, why would God not open everyone's eyes and soften everyone's heart? Uh, <laughs> um, that's a that's a tough one. I don't, that's again, I don't know. I don't get it. I, you know, if I were God, you know, <laughs> you should, Watch you, anytime out. <laughs> you're tempted to start a sentence like that, you should just take a pause. And, <laughs> so... Uh, I don't know the answer to that. I only know what I'm called to do. This is very freeing to me over the years to sort of, you know, realize my job description as a, as not just as an ordained Lutheran pastor, but as a Christian is fairly well defined and it's, and it's doable, you know, to share the good news of, of Christ's death and resurrection with, with others in service and in word and in invitation, um, uh, to to say uh, who's in and who's out is certainly uh, well outside of, of my responsibilities, thankfully. 
That same, Jay, the same, in, in the text today, you know, he says he reveals to infants. So I always feel like uh, there are moments, if you've hung around kids ever, where you get something profoundly theological that, wow, I don't, I, these are brand new batteries, I don't know what's happening. Um, but that kids sometimes get God in a way that adults just don't. And I think there is... Um, something really true and pure and profound in in that kind of faith. And I think um, there's a, a woman who's been attending here, and she's got a little boy, he just turned four, and she's like, he loves Jesus, Natalia. I don't know where he got this from. He just really loves Jesus. And he is why they're coming to church, not because she felt like she really wanted to come to church. They They're not really church people, but she brings her kid here because he loves Jesus and she doesn't know why or how and I think this is it God has revealed himself to infants and like that kid is like I love Jesus we're going to church and like that's you know like who knows how that happened I don't know how that happened but I think it's beautiful and I think that is just one of the many ways God works in the world and we get to see it happen and what a joy that we get to see that happen and sometimes all the theology we put on top of it clouds it a little bit and there's a there's a purity to how god works and opens the eyes of some especially when they're little (laughs) okay so uh my question is if a soldier kills someone in combat is that murder and a sin against god and i'm asking this because i'm joining the military in september so (laughs) Well, <laughs> it's a small question yeah. for one minute and 11 seconds. I asked a soldier this on a mission trip once. He was, we were in the van together, and I was like, I got a question for you. Tell me how you do this. And, uh, and he had a long answer that, that I didn't really understand. <laughs> but um, but I, I'm not, I, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. I mean, I think there's... There's lots of moments in scripture where combat is happening, war is happening, um, there's armies. I mean, read the Old Testament, it's just full of battles. So I don't think that's, uh, but I think as a person, if that is something that you are called to do and you are called to go into that place, um, that is something you you need to manage and figure out on your own and there are raise your hand if you've been in combat military in here anybody so talk jay talk to chris chris talk to jay um yeah you got to get advice from people who've been there and and talk about it people who are faithful who've been there already because that is that is a unique position that i'm not in uh and that i have not been in but i i think god will be with you there and god will be with you after you get back as well I don't know if you have a response to that. It's different. I'm I not. thought that was really good. Oh, thanks. I think we should take one more. I'm having fun up here. I know <laughs> our five-minute clock ran out. But down, oh, here he comes. I don't know where he's going. <laughs> run, Morgan, run. All right. Thanks, Morgan. Oh, Carol. Mine is a follow-up to the question on prayer. Oftentimes when I'm praying, I'm asking for God's help because a friend has cancer or they really want to get pregnant. But Wednesday night, the scripture said God knows us before we're born and he has a plan for us. Mm -hmm. Are we 
asking God to change his plan when we get specific about people, whether it's for graduation or whatever. Also a great and uh, yeah. deep theological great question. question and uh, it's why the Lord's Prayer uh, is, is oftentimes difficult for us to honestly pray, you know, thy will be done. Aren't, aren't we really praying for our will? Lord, here's what I would ask. That, and, I, and, and most of the time it's just a compassionate request. Um, so uh, the other theological construct that you raised there, Carol, has to do with uh, uh, is everything mapped out forever in God's plan? Does God have a plan that will not deviate whether or not we would like for it to deviate, but this does not seem that that whole train of thought uh, does not seem to sort of comport with Scripture. I mean, you have lots of places, e- even where it's s- straight up said God changed His mind, right? God changed God's mind, and by people asking Him to, right? You know, like people, people pleading asking with him. God, so God relents, you know. So I, I just feel like the that engagement with God, especially on behalf of of others. Is just a faithful expression of our of of our desire to uh, to to help and serve others that God welcomes and uh, agrees with, and uh, this is another area of our faith that I believe being bearers of good news is just so powerful and helpful to be able to say with people as they suffer and struggle, are anxious and fearful or ill, sometimes even dying, that. The, the essence of the word I have for you as a Christian is that God loves you, is with you, is surrounding you, and there are no ifs, there is no room for any doubt. Uh, are you right with God? Have you made your proper confession? Uh, do you strongly believe? None of that. Just, I am here with you as an expression of God's gracious presence. God is with you because I'm with you. You get that kind of power as a bearer of the good news, as a Christian person. Imagine that kind of power. And when you bring that to a friend uh, that you are hurting for because they are struggling or suffering, that is as close to God's heart as you can get. Yeah, I think if you've ever been on the receiving end of a lot of people praying for you, um, that that is so powerful. It's not that we're trying to change God's mind or we're trying to finagle, you know, some sneaky way of like changing the outcome of the world. I mean, cancer sucks, and 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 I would use much stronger language uh, if I weren't sitting in this chair, but even maybe in the parking lot later I will. But cancer is. It's just awful, and it's the worst. And there are times where you know no amount of praying for healing is going to happen in that moment. You know it. Like, we all have people that we've prayed for, and we know they are dying, and it is awful, and there's no way to change that, and no prayer that changes that. But what changes in prayer is that you can sit with somebody who is dying. I can sit with somebody who's dying and say, there is a whole church of people praying for you right now. And by me being here means they are all here, and God is here. And that, see, I'm getting all emotional, because that is the power of prayer. Not that we're trying to, you know, make a change the outcome of, of what's happening, but that that somebody can 
feel. And when you've been on the receiving end of that, you feel it. It is, it is physical. You can feel all that prayer around you. And it is so powerful. And it is so, that is the presence of God in that room. That's why God says when two or more are gathered in my name, I'm, I am present because you can feel it in those moments when you're sitting with people. And there are people in this room I know who I have been with in those moments who have felt that very thing. And that is, that is why prayer, and that is why you should pray. I mean, I don't want to should all over you because that's never fun, but like when you are in that moment, then you wonder, why don't I do this more often? Why don't I pray more often? I, I just, I just felt God here. Why don't I do this more often? That is always my experience when I pray with people and I'm like, gosh, I should pray more. Um, but that is, I mean, that, that, that is why, I mean, for me, that is why I pray. It's not because I think God's going to cure cancer. I, I mean, let's, you know, let's hope that is the reality. But I do also do that because what people feel in that moment when they know people are praying is humbling and powerful and physical and tangible. And I think that is um, more, than, more than enough. Yeah, thanks. You did it again, Prince of Peace. I wish we could keep going, but uh, we have to honor our time together. But the time that we sit down to do this and we just sit here and there's no questions will be the last time we do it. Again, that did not happen. The time goes quickly. (laughs) And again, what we've done this morning is just doing theology together. Theology. Theos, Logos. God, Word. Speaking, wrestling with, talking about our faith. It's worthwhile Uh, And it's a blessing every time we do it together. So let's just simply continue our worship by standing to profess our faith in the words of the...